2: now
4: remember after the dossier came out after it was already found that none of this was true the fbi went ahead and hired igor danchenko as a confidential human source and they kept him on the payroll virtually up until the election in 2020 Once again, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Red Pill News. I hope you're having a lovely day. All I can say is for myself, I am very excited to bring you today's episode because it's jam-packed with a bunch of incredible news. Suffice to say, I am going to attempt to keep it succinct, and we're going to begin with the latest Project Veritas expose, where they infiltrated none other than the Arizona gubernatorial campaign of radical left Democrat, Katie Hobbs. At the end of the day, Katie Hobbs is not looking too good. And then, we're going to be dissecting the latest revelations taken from the Igor Danchenko trial yesterday in the Eastern District of Virginia. And the FBI is looking even worse than Katie Hobbs. And then, finally, we shall be taking a look at a trio of stories having to do with the corruption inherent in the vaccine manufacturing industry, an incredible win in Alberta, Canada, and so much more. So, do me a favor. Favor. Sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn, because we're going to be right back after this.
5: Oh my gosh. Oh, I was to it's scary there. Oh. R.C. Maxwell with Project Verathoth Action. Yeah. I asked a brief question about the statement that he made. Oh, you took your photo. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want
4: to talk mostly to anyone who I don't know.
5: Is that an AR-15? That is an AR-15. <gasps> Easier to fire than a handgun. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, That's yeah. kind of scary. That's why it's scary. Would Katie support something like an assault weapons ban? If she could, yeah. I mean, that, the problem is that's a federal issue, right? There's nothing she could do about it. Right. At least immediately,
4: right? It's like kind of advocating for it publicly, which is really more impactful once you're governor. We have a lot of concerns about Katie's candidate. She's not debating her. All right, so what you just saw right there was kind of a greatest hits from Project Veritas' expose video. I highly suggest you watch the whole thing. It is damning not only to Katie Hobbs and the policies that she espouses, but it also paints her in a really bad light from people directly connected to her campaign. It ends right there on that clip with someone from her campaign saying that they have a lot of concerns about it. You know, Carrie Lake is going to win this election, and I think that's the number one reason why Katie Hobbs won't face her in a debate. She cannot face her on policy. She can't get up there and say point for point why people in Arizona should vote for her over Carrie Lake, because the things that she espouses are simply just not the policies that the people of Arizona want to see put into place. One thing that's going to put me to sleep tonight is that mental image of Katie Hobbs running in terror from the Project Veritas reporter, spilling her soda all over herself, all over the ground. It makes her look like a complete buffoon. And then when you put it into the context of the recent stories that have come out showing that Katie Hobbs has been openly racist to people who worked for her, when she was in high school, she ran some sort of slave day, putting people in dog collars and leading them around on leashes, it looks like Katie Hobbs is a racist in more ways than one. So once again, Katie Hobbs is probably not going to be the pick of people in Arizona not even mentioning the fact that one of her people says that she wants to get rid of uh, assault weapons, AR-15s altogether, and then just putting the hypocrisy on full display he is driving around with an AR pistol in his car, and then to just tie the biggest bow on the end of the video instead of gracefully walking away or just saying no comment and getting in her car, Katie Hobbs runs and hides in the public restroom at the restaurant where she was confronted. I mean, these are not the actions of somebody who is confident about the platform they're running on or confident about their chances of winning at the ballot box. This is somebody who is afraid of the public, who is afraid of the real media, who's afraid of facing the one person who stands in the way of her getting into the governorship. Katie Hobbs and this video are something that will live in infamy. And once again, I suggest you watch the entire thing. All right, next, we're going to be diving into the testimony from yesterday's beginning of the Igor Danchenko trial. Now, this is a very important trial. First of all, it's taking place outside of Washington, D.C., different jurisdiction, Eastern District of Virginia. We have a better chance of getting a full conviction on Igor Danchenko and perhaps a much better chance on getting him actually punished for the lies he told. Now, That could lead to additional revelations about individuals who were part of this plot to destroy the president. That's my best hope. But my next best hope is that it also reveals the full corruption going on at the FBI. And make no mistake, there is plenty of it. Now, Igor Danchenko, of course, was the primary subsource of Christopher Steele's dossier. And yesterday, before the trial began, I received word that we had several very interesting witnesses who are going to appear in this trial. The first would be FBI Special Counterintelligence Agent Brian Otten. Now, Brian Otten is particularly interesting because he's been involved in several of these high-profile cases we've been talking about for the last several years. First of all, Brian Otten, working as Hillary Clinton's bagman, essentially rubber-stamped the Christopher Steele dossier, which allowed for the wiretaps on Trump and Trump Associates, beginning everything with Carter Page and leading into where we are today— Brian Auten, also very important in the Hunter Biden laptop story. He's the one who spearheaded the FBI memo calling that laptop Russian disinformation, which, of course, led to many, many months of obfuscation on this story and got a lot of different people deleted from social media because they dared to speak honestly about it. And then finally, Ryan Oughton also spearheaded the raid on President Trump's private residence in Mar-a-Lago. He flew all the way down here to Florida to ensure that the United States government would go after a former U.S. president for essentially keeping some boxes from the White House. Remember, Barack Obama kept millions of pages of classified documents that he never even bothered to declassify. President Trump, on the other hand, fully declassified everything. And I think that at the end of the day, Brian Naughton and others were looking for information on the Spygate scandal, because that's what we're talking about today. So Igor Danchenko, turns out he is also closely associated with Fiona Hill. Fiona Hill had been his professor, and she also worked with him at the Brookings Institution. She also introduced him to Christopher Steele, so you could say she was responsible for that primary subsource, and she also introduced him to Bruce and Nellie Orr, another very important component of this, bringing in the FBI, the DOJ, and the CIA with Nellie herself. Now, the most shocking revelation to come out of the trial yesterday was that the FBI had offered to pay Christopher Steele no fewer than $1 million if he could substantiate the allegations he made in that dirty dossier. Now, of course, everything in that dossier was fake, and Sergei Milian never spoke with Igor Danchenko, which is the reason he's on trial right now, Lying about that to the FBI. The real question here is, why did he feel the need to lie to the FBI at the end of the day? Did he think he was going to be protected because he knew Brian Auten was on the case? I tend to think so, but Brian Naughton ended up being forced to testify against Igor anyways. Now, Christopher Steele, if he could have made that million dollars, I'm sure that he would have. And this is an even greater indictment of the FBI's inability to fully and accurately investigate the claims being made in documents such as this. I think the FBI knew it was fake from the very beginning. Christopher Steele and Igor Danchenko certainly knew it was fake. And Fiona Hill knew that she was taking part in a plot to destroy the President of the United States simply because she and others did not agree with him politically. They didn't like the decisions that President Trump was making, and they decided they would do whatever that it took to destroy him and end his presidency as quick as they possibly could. Now, Fiona Hill, of course, was also very important in the impeachment hearings about that Ukraine call, the perfect call with President Volodymyr Zelensky. So this shows that Fiona Hill and that impeachment Scandal are also directly tied to the Spygate scandal, to the dirty dossier, to Igor Danchenko. It just draws a much fuller picture. Connecting the dots between each and every one of these people and showing that this hasn't been a series of scandals going on around President Trump, but more likely it's a much larger tableau, a greater tapestry that's been woven by the people in the deep state who want to destroy President Trump and ensure that he never runs for president ever again. Fiona Hill is just as guilty in this as Igor Danchenko, and I can only hope that at some point she's going to face some charges as well. But you know what? Deep State's going to Deep State, and that maybe is not going to happen, but you can always dare to dream. Once again, I think at the end of the day, The most important thing is what's going to happen in the court of public opinion. Because as as an outside person, let's say I don't know any of this stuff. I haven't looked into this for the last five or six years. If I hear that the FBI was looking to pay Christopher Steele for fake information if he could just come up with something to say it was real. That looks to me like the FBI is desperate to do anything they can to destroy President Trump and keep him out of office. And that same goes for anybody else who was involved in the plot to destroy the president. Now let's take a look at some of the coverage that Technofog did because he actually has the transcripts from those court documents in the trial yesterday. And one thing that is very important is that the special counsel team not only points out Igor Danchenko's Lies, But also some of that FBI misconduct that I've been pointing to over the last six years. They said in opening arguments that the FBI should have uncovered these lies that were in the Christopher Steele dossier, but of course they never did. Also, they claim that the evidence in the trial is going to show that the dossier would cause the FBI to engage in troubling conduct that would ultimately result in the extended surveillance of United States citizens. Essentially, the entire time President Trump was in office, the FBI and other intelligence agencies were running ops against him, trying to catch him on anything they possibly could. And despite the fact that they had investigation after investigation after investigation after failed witch hunt. They never could find anything on him because President Trump has been legal eagle this entire time. They also said that in respect to the dossier information, Igor Danchenko, the defendant, was paid to identify his sources and the defendant was paid to provide evidence that would corroborate the allegations in the Steele dossier. Remember, after the dossier came out, after it was already found that none of this was true, the FBI went ahead and hired Igor Danchenko as a confidential human source, and they kept him on the payroll virtually up until the election in 2020, probably so that they could keep his name off the books and it would maybe never come out that they had anything to do with this fake hit smear job on president trump. Now how is the government going to make their case against Igor Danchenko? Well, of course they have his emails. They say the defendant's own words are going to show that there was never a call, never any communication between him and Sergey Milian, uh, also that his phone records would show that there was no such calls either. And seeing as how this entire
2: Order now.
1: FighterFlare.com
4: trial is about false statements. One important aspect of the prosecution's case is that the special counsel must show that the lies were material meaning that the lies caused the FBI to engage in actions that would otherwise not have been taken. So, because Igor Danchenko lied, it caused the FBI to wield their powers far too aggressively, uh, to engage in acts uh, that were beyond the scope of what they should have done. These situations apparently are going to be shown here at that trial, and they're going to be showing that if Igor Danchenko had been truthful, under the obligation of the FBI, they would have had to correct their own misrepresentation to the FISA court. Now, I tend to think the FBI learned early on that what Igor Danchenko was saying was not true, and therefore they already knew that they should have corrected those statements to the FISA court, but they neglected to do so because, again, this is part of a much larger plot to destroy Donald Trump. There is a major FBI malfeasance taking place here. Uh, I believe that it's all going to come out at this trial, and I would imagine there will be additional FBI agents testifying to the actions they took regarding Igor Danchenko's claims and why they decided to do what they did. At the end of the day, they wanted to destroy President Trump. And barring that, now they're trying to destroy us. All right, next, we have a major win for election integrity coming out of the U.S. Supreme Court. This is an overturning of a lower court's decision in Pennsylvania, and it all circles around the counting of ballots. So you can see how this could be very important. Now, that lower court had ruled that 257 mail-in ballots that never had a date marked on them must be counted in. ...in a specific race. This was for a judgeship. Now, of course, those 257 ballots allowed for a Democrat to win by just a mere five ballots... But because they had no dates on them, we have no way to guarantee whether or not they were inserted into the system after the deadline or if they ever arrived before the deadline. Those dates are very important, and there's a reason that they put that on the mail-in ballots. Well, now, as a result of this, the U.S. Supreme Court has completely overturned it. When these ballots come in with flaws like this, they are no longer going to be considered valid, as they should not be. So this is now going to be affecting Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Jersey and Delaware. And it means that the elections in those states are going to be far more secure. Now, David Ritter was that Republican candidate who lost that race for county judge. Uh, He ended up taking this on appeal to the Supreme Court. And of course, Dr. Oz running for Senate in Pennsylvania, he could see that uh, this ruling could then be used as precedent to uh, essentially weaponize this case for future races in the state of Pennsylvania, potentially allowing for additional flawed ballots to be brought into the scenario and elevate candidates who never were going to win anyways. And this, of course, is one of the favorite techniques that rhinos and Democrats love to use anytime they want to steal a race. And the good news is in Pennsylvania and these other states, they're no longer going to be able to do it, at least by this method. But of course, we know the deep state loves to evolve. So we need to keep a lookout to ensure that they're not going to try to use other ways through lawfare to get their candidates into that office. All right, next, this week in the European Parliament, a special COVID committee had hoped to ask the CEO of Pfizer, Albert Bourla, questions about the COVID vaccine they manufactured and pushed out to many different countries all over the world. Now, the only problem is Albert Borla declined to attend. So that means they were unable to put him on the spot and ask him questions about the effectiveness of the COVID vaccine. Uh, what were the Pfizer scientists thinking when they pushed it out to the public? Basically, he was a no-show. Now, despite his lack of attendance, there was a representative from Pfizer who did attend. Her name was Janine Small. Uh, She is president of Pfizer's International Developed Markets. Now, in lieu of Albert Borla, she was asked this question. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered market? Now, you would think, if you're a rational person, that this would have been the first thing they tested for because, I mean, at the end of the day is, isn't that what vaccines are supposed to do? They're supposed to stop the transmission of whatever it is you're being inoculated for. Well, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly to people who watch the show, she said regarding the question around did we know about stopping immunization before it entered the market? No we have to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. Now, that is, as far as I'm concerned, pretty much a non-answer. Obviously, if you're moving at the speed of science, you are moving at the speed of the research, only it's clear here that Pfizer never actually did the research, and they never intended to have the COVID-19 mRNA vaccine stop the transmission of anything. That's not what this was about. They were all about making billions and billions of dollars and perhaps along the way, killing as many people as they possibly could. Now, Christine Anderson, she is a German politician who is in the European Parliament. She had another question for Albert Borla. She wanted to know if Albert Borla can't be compelled to attend this hearing, then what is the point of our committee? She said that she proposes the committee be labeled incompetent because they don't have any real power. It certainly looks to me like Pfizer has a lot more power on the global stage than the European Parliament does. Now, it was also revealed during the midst of this hearing in the committee that excess deaths all across Europe are up an astonishing rate. 16% overall. But when you take a look at the death rates per country, the countries that have the highest level of vaccination also happen to have the highest level of excess deaths over what the yearly average would be expected to be. So that would appear that the COVID-19 vaccine, rather than uh, making people better, rather than stopping people from getting sick and dying, Actually, has a causal relationship to those excess deaths that we're seeing all across the globe. Now, another astonishing statement that was made at this hearing and the press conference that followed was that the Chinese government released the DNA of the COVID nineteen uh, sickness to the public, and then it was only three days later that Pfizer had already started testing their vaccine. How in the world did they create the vaccine in only three days? Well, that answer is self evident as far as I'm concerned. Uh, This was an organized effort. Pfizer already had the DNA for the vaccine that they... Pfizer already had the DNA for the virus. They already had the vaccine waiting in the wings. They just had to find an appropriate virus that they could use to market it to the public and scare people into getting it. Once again, the entire scam surrounding COVID-19, the mRNA jab, and the wool that was pulled over the entirety of the world's eyes has been exposed, and I'm really pleased to see that it's happening in such a large global body. Now, arguably, one of the reasons for those excess deaths could reasonably be pointed to as the damage that is done by these mRNA vaccines to the hearts of the individuals that take them. Because ever since the COVID-19 vaccine has been introduced, we have seen a phenomenal number of sweeping heart attacks and cardiac failures taking place. All across the globe and really, really sadly among some of the youngest members of our communities. Very nice stuff happening down here in Florida. The Surgeon General just announcing that anybody under the age of 40 should probably not take the mRNA vaccine. Because of the damage that is done to the hearts of young people. We have seen athletes, healthcare workers, musicians, news anchors, actors, random people all over the globe dropping dead as a result of issues with their hearts. And now it may not surprise you that Moderna is getting in on the action to solve the issue they created because they have a new injection that is set to repair heart muscle after a heart attack. Something that arguably would not even be necessary if they hadn't pushed this untested, unproven, and unnecessary medication out onto the people of this world. The rise in life-threatening incidents since the introduction of this vaccine has been undeniable. And just because we don't have the scientific studies necessarily to make that direct causal link yet doesn't mean that it's not going to happen in the future, but as long as the same people who control the scientific world that gave us the COVID-19 vaccines continue to control the scientific world today and into the future, I don't know that we're ever going to get any such study. But since the introduction of these vaccines, we have seen an increase of 84% in cardiac-related deaths in young men ages 18 to 39. Now, that is an astonishing figure, and it just goes to show you the massive damage that's being done. But when Moderna sees that, they see massive potential for new complications and new treatments to be brought to the market at the only time in the world that you would possibly need them. If it wasn't for the COVID-19 vaccines, we wouldn't see all these young men dying from heart attacks. We wouldn't see uh, problems with cardiovascular issues popping up uh, all across the population. And of course, Moderna is going to do whatever they can to cash in on it. And finally, one of the most frustrating aspects of the COVID and the COVID vaccine hoax has been the lack of action taken by politicians here in North America. Hardly anybody bothers to stand up for the rights of American citizens. Now, yes, of course, some Republicans have done so. Some have spoken up against vaccine mandates and the forced inoculations taking place across this nation, but nobody has done enough to stop them from happening. Unfortunately, they have been adjudicated in the court system, but one such group of people who really have no say in the matter are the men and women of the U.S. military. And we continue to get story after story of young, healthy military recruits being found dead in their barracks, dying from unknown or, quote, natural causes, such as this 18-year-old Marine recruit who collapsed during a training exercise at Camp Pendleton. You better believe he was jabbed. And then in the Army, we have another 18-year-old female soldier found dead in her barracks, and her cause remains unknown. But again, she's probably jabbed up. And one of the reasons I can tell you that they're probably jabbed up is because the military still has the COVID vaccine mandate in place. Well, finally, some people in the Freedom Caucus are apparently going to be standing up to the GOP and will be delaying a defense bill that will necessarily include that vaccine mandate. They're saying unless it is repealed, they're not going to okay the budget for the military. That is a major win. It has yet to play out, but I think it's a good start. And then in Canada, one of the countries that basically made their entire population get vaccinated – We finally now see a politician who is willing to stand up to the discrimination that the unvaxxed are feeling on a daily basis. We have a new premier in Alberta that's being sworn in. Her name is Danielle Smith, and in a speech that she gave very recently, she said that the unvaxxed people of Canada are among the most discriminated against group that she has ever witnessed in her lifetime. Now, that is a bold statement, and I think that it shows a brand new direction that at least one province in Canada is going to be going down very soon she's going to be choosing her cabinet and i'm hoping that the people that she choose are ones that will be in favor of medical freedom so that those who remain unvaxed in canada can continue to live their life free of medical tyranny and are no longer going to feel the pressure of the people around them making them feel as if they are second class citizens or if somehow or if somehow they are making decisions in their own life that are going to endanger the people around them as i've shown you today these vaccines were never tested to stay Stop transmission so there is no logical reason to get it to keep anybody else safe once you get the jab you can still get sick and you can still get other people sick as well and as i've also shown you there are also the potential for lifelong debilitating side effects up to and including death so bravo to the politicians that are standing up here in america and abroad i like to see it All right, my friends, that's all I've got for you today. Make sure you tune in tonight at 9 p.m. on the brand new Badlands Media Channel on Rumble for myself and Brad Getz and our brand new show, The Altered States of America. I hope to see you there. Thank you very much for joining us today. As always, this has been Red Pill 78. My name is Zach Payne, the Corruption Detector, and this was another edition of Red Pill News. Good luck, everyone, and God bless.